Welcome again to the, the latest episode of Challenge Accepted podcast here at Arctic Wolf. My name is Ian McShane. I'm the VP of Strategy here. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Murray. Adam, how's it going, man? It's going well. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, I, I find myself in a really privileged position again this week, right? I've had jobs and projects and, and tasks where, you know, you just grind things out because, the you know, you got to get them done. But for like the fourth time in a row with this podcast, it's a topic that's really, really caught my interest because we're going to be talking about malware, malware analysis and CTI, right? Cyber Threat Intel. Now, a couple of months ago, the nerd part of my brain back at the start of September was, was kind of itching for something nerdy to do. So I actually started to go through a self-led malware analysis course. Now, I guess I'm not completely new to it, but let's say it'd been a while. So it was it was a lot of fun to get back into building a lab and observing malware behaviors and really thinking about how you would build detections or how you could hunt for that kind of activity, because I kind of feel that a lot of that work is, is abstracted away really well, or so that you know, people don't really realize the effort, the skill and the expertise that goes into detections and preventions, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember my intro to this obviously was was when I was in the FBI as a special agent doing investigations. And we would have to figure out, you know, what was going on on whatever machine or drive we were looking at. And, you know, I learned just enough probably to be dangerous, you know, looking through memory <laughs> and other things to try to reverse engineer some malware, figure out what's going on. There's actually a position in the FBI that maybe not too many people know about uh, with the title of computer scientist. And there's two or three or four of these computer scientists <laughs> on each cyber squad. And one of their main jobs, um, among other things, is to help reverse engineer malware. Um, and we're also they're also doing a thing in, in the FBI now where they have specific field offices that are an expert in a certain type or strain of malware. And so a lot of it's uh, trying to you know, figure out what it is, what it's related to, and then we can get the experts in that particular piece of malware and have them reverse engineer it. But yeah, I remember, you know, my fumbling, bumbling attempts to try to figure out what kind of, what kind of malware this was and, you know, searching through memory and all that kind of stuff. So, so I'm, I'm really excited about this too. Well, today, delighted to be joined by uh, Anthony Akut, who's um, joined us. He's one of our senior threat researchers, and he actually came in through an acquisition we did of a company called VX Intel. And this is really interesting just because of not only the company that, that we acquired, but also I'm stoked to talk about Anthony's background. So Anthony, welcome to the podcast. And nice to be on board. Thank you, Ian. How about you give us a, a real quick kind of background about you and maybe how you got into cybersecurity? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so um, growing up in, in Turkey in the, in the 80s, um, sort of late 80s, the brain virus came out, uh, and um, which immediately sparked my um, attention into um, you know, how can things be used subvertively, so to speak, mm -hmm. to do things that you know, systems are not supposed to do. And literally, when the news of the brain virus came out, I had to have it, look at it. I, I mean, I didn't understand too much of it at the point, but you know, playing around with it. Um, and then, of course, the '90s came with all the, the 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 big break in viruses, polymorphic viruses. I was like, yeah, that's it. I was told I I, I had to sort of collect them, analyze them, put it like in a little zoo, and admire them basically. Uh, and you know, sort of growing up. With that, uh, with my you know Commodore 64 uh, and you know all, all sort of like old so home computers, I just sort of fell into it. So uh, I mean, my first job was like a um, like a computer programmer job at a pump manufacturer in the south of England, 
And I used to sort of like, I was in the evening shift. So, you know, by day I was like a programmer, you know, systems analyst. And, uh, you know, in the evening I used to sort of check sort of bulletin boards, see what new viruses were coming out so I can add it to my collection. And it just grew and grew from there, really. There's no stop stopping to it. <laughs> That's really interesting. That, like, so you talk about collecting. How big is your collection today? Well, I think it's kind of approaching almost a billion samples. You know, with all the old stuff from the late '80s, all the different wow. dimensions, all the polymorphic stuff, I, I would guess. Sort of, I mean, conservatively, for eight eight hundred fifty million unique samples. Wow! So that, a so that, yeah, that kind of begs the question: How do you store all of this? Like, where where is it all kept? Well, until I mean, until VX Intel um, started, um, it was just kept on hard disks. Uh, at some point, we had, I think close to 500, I mean, I'm talking physical hard drives, you know, like four terabytes hard drives. And so when we started VX Intel in 2017, 2018, we spent, I think, like almost three years moving all that data to the cloud. Uh, and some of it's still there at like a backlog. Uh, and we're sort of slowly sort of ingesting everything into the main database. So it's uh, a lot of stuff. Wow. Uh, so kind of a follow-up question to what you were talking about earlier. Uh, you started looking at these, these you know, programs, these viruses, uh, you know. Did you ever go get some formal education on top of your, you know, programming skills to, for you know, mm -hmm. specifically for like malware reverse engineering or anything like that? No, not at all. I'm actually pretty much self-taught. Uh, and uh, I've also followed, I mean, as far as malware reversing, I, I'm very, very bad at it. Uh, uh, and But I, I sort of, I'm more interested in like, where do they come from? Who writes it? Uh, and especially if they exchange code, you know, how does it go from person A to B? Are they related? It's just this ecosystem more, um, you know, who runs it, who operates it, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, that fascinates me. That's really impressive. I mean, I guess I want to take it back to the start. It's like, what did you start doing with the collection you were building? Like you, you know, you said you had no idea what the brain virus was doing. Did you, is that how you started to learn? Did you start to reverse all that stuff? Did you, you know, what took it from one virus to having this, you know, pipeline of a billion samples? Well, you know, it's a late 80s, early 90s. Like it's, it's sort of like became more and more prevalent as well. Like you used to get like maybe a disc from a magazine and all of a sudden there was something on it, like major stream melt or whatever. Uh, and it was like, hang on, what's going on here? So it was becoming, I mean, at that time it was like mostly joke viruses. So it was just like doing things on your screen or whatever. But it was like, you know, how does it like go from one disk to the next? Or how does it like come onto my system? And of course, then you started doing things like, you know, Dr. Sullivan's AV toolkit and stuff like that. All the fun wow, stuff. That was a blast from the past. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Uh, so the playing, I mean, it was such a great time, you know, like new discoveries almost every day. You know, people discovering, you know, hidden commands on your operating systems, you know, on what you could do with DOS, you know, undocumented commands. And it was such fun time. So it, and at that time, it was literally like keeping stuff on disk, cataloging it and going like, you know, oh, you have these like baseball cards. Well, I have these viruses and people are like, eh, so, so what, you know, and uh, I, th I thought I was great, you know, but, you know, that's, that's another story. Yeah. So, so you're sitting on this collection that's growing and growing. What, 
what was it that made you decide like, Hey, we want to, you know, turn this into something or, you know, start a business. How did, how did you, how did that transition happen? Yeah, actually, I always joke because I, I, I always like to say to people, like, there was like this Hitchcockian story behind it, you know. I was on the Eurostar one day traveling from Brussels to London uh, and literally like very serendipitous. I met this guy, like this like last train out to London and we got, he was like sort of like doing stuff, drawing things. And so we got talking, you know, and uh, sort of lo and behold, uh, it turned out to be... Um, some sort of like hardware software engineer. Uh, this this company actually in 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 based in the Netherlands. They built this hardware filtering device um, for malware, uh, and they were like um, literally like looking for malware to test their system against. Uh, and um, they said, "Well, we, we tried to like approach various AV companies. They said, "No, we don't give up this sort of stuff." Even like for testing like a bona fide like an anti-malware system. They could not get like any malware to test their systems. I was like, hang on. I have this like, you know, set of like at that time, like don't laugh, 100,000 like, you know, unique samples. And maybe I can like do something with it. Uh, and and they became our first customer, uh, you know. Uh, and so, so every month I, I was like sort of able to find 20,000 new viruses and like sort of, sell it on like a subscription base you know uh, at the time it was like a weekly uh, update they uh, and uh, every month we such as send out discs or um like cds to um our subscribers with the new updates on it and that's how it started uh, it's like literally it's a hundred thousand is like we collect on, on an hourly uh, hourly right now so it's uh, it's, it's uh, grown significantly since so how, how does the, I mean, how much can you share about the collection process? Like, is there a community where you're sharing samples? Obviously, I know that there's, you know, Virus Total is one that springs to mind as a, as a big repository of, of malware that's, you know, delivered by the, the community. But how does how does it work with you, if you can share well, some of that? It's, um, in behind the screens, it's actually somewhat similar to Virus Total. Uh, we, we are part of this, like, big malware sharing ecosystem with all the AV vendors and um, basically... I would say 99% of the AV vendors has a what they call like a malware share. Every day they make available X amount of samples that they've seen and they've collected to this collective share. Uh, and this is definitely something you build by like bumping into the right people at conferences, saying, "Hey, you have a malware share. We can save, you know, share something back." And it's done on like who you know basis. You know, like if uh, somebody off the street came and said, you know, I, I want to share samples with you. They're like, no. Nah. I mean, I got introduced to it. You know, I, right. I was literally like, I was taken to a conference. Uh, I think it was the Virus Bulletin Conference. And said they, somebody said, you know, this is like a reliable person who has data to share. You can share samples with them. And that's how it started. Uh, and um, it's been growing since then. And since, uh, you know, after that, it's building relationships you know after the av companies come the anti-malware companies then some researcher might say hey you know i'd like you guys i'd like to upload some samples to you you know are you interested sure we'll take anything you've got you know <laughs> and you, 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 and literally it's like taking like almost 20 years to build this community uh, and you know it's definitely a, a big part of my day today is to sort of nourish this community as well. You know, if something breaks or things don't work, or if, if you need, you know, sample A that somebody's looking for, you can ask, you know, and um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice thing. 
is there seems to be a lot of like the human element involved there so is there any are there any fun stories about beefs that you can discuss where you know maybe one vendor's like i'll share it with you as long as you don't give it to vendor x or y or z or any of that kind of stuff no no it's it's actually we're quite friendly obviously i mean no one shares the samples they can't share sure yeah and if you are in the circle of sharing, there is no, oh, you know, you can share with A, but you can't share with B. If it's out there, it's it's available to this group. It's, it's a very small group. Um, I think the worst case, what happens is they might give you a sample. They might say, well, you can't share the sample at all with, with mm -hmm. any of your customers. You can like extract data out of it, the metadata, whatever. You can yeah. share that. But the actual sample, you can't for mm -hmm. whatever reason. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, so, like, obviously, you've been in it for a long time, and you've seen a lot of samples. What's the biggest shift you've seen? You know, and I, I think of that in terms of you know, from portable executables to low bins in terms of adversary activity. But have you seen a big shift or a big you know evolution over your time as well? Uh, I mean, if I look the last twenty five years, I have to say personally, what used to be, in quote, a fun thing. Uh, like you're all new and exciting, turn into like a real bizarre, like ransomware plus, you know, also like ransomware plus data exfil as well. It's turned into like this business, but really malicious business, you know, like, you know, they, they ransomware you, they try to exfil data. If they can't exfil, they basically destroy your system just to get you back or whatever. And it's turned into this really nasty thing, which, I mean, that's a part of it I don't enjoy at all uh, anymore. Uh, it's it's more a case of like you know can I grab a copy of their samples uh, so we can analyze it in house and like build detection that's become like the like the number one priority now. Yeah, so I was going to just ask a, a question on that. I we really have seen the shift from you know there was kind of your your hobbyists making you know like you talked about earlier uh, almost prank level viruses and and it yeah. seemed like it was that that level of like, you know, individuals making this, even criminals, and you had nation states involved, sure. But then there was this turn a number of years yeah. ago where it, there was the commoditization of malware, where you had, you know, different different groups, you know, really specializing in different types of things and then selling those to each other. And I mean, there's even conferences for carters and things like that where they're, where they're sharing this. And I, I, yeah, I was curious as you watched that, did, did this become, how did that change your business? And did it become sort of less fun? Like you were, you were mentioning, it becomes just a little bit more. Uh... It becomes governed by money. Um, and, you know, where uh, where I come from, from Turkey, that was also a big thing, carders, skimmers. Um, so they found out they can use their talents and build this big money-making machine around it. Uh, and unfortunately, it has come to, just that, because these guys that do ransomware, um, you know, it's, it's it's nothing political anymore. They're not trying to prove a point. And they even like, admit to it. It's, it's become a money-making machine purely, and that's it. So for me, the fun side of it from collecting all the, like, the fun viruses, Trojans, has turned into this crusade. I know it's a cat and mouse, you know, game uh, most, of the, most of the time, but, you know, if you develop something new, uh, I'm going to try to find it and, you know, basically, you know, Handed out to our to our guys to uh, build detections, you know, pure yeah. and simple. That's that's a good lead into my next question. Is like we talked about the sample set and collection. Like, how, what's the actual operationalization of all of that that stuff that you collect? Like, what what does your team, what does your 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 research team build from that massive corpus? 
Oh, basically, now they have the whole you know, data trove of, you know, available to them. Uh, yeah, at any given point, if there is a new file, they can go out and see if they've seen something similar before, right? If there's any similar similarities, code similarities. And in some cases, they can see like, you know, something they've developed now as like something in it from maybe like eight to 10 years before, because you know, like how in this business, the, the old becomes the new, uh, like, you know. Well, goes around, comes around, yeah. Yeah, all, all of a sudden, the newest systems stop detecting systems from like yeah, things from 10 years ago. So, hey, they they grab that and build into this, like, their new malware. And it's, you know, it does circumvent stuff. So I'm like, you know, it's good to have this, like, you know, 15, 20 years, like, of backlog. You can basically look into, hey, you know, where is this coming from originally? So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a use, useful resource for our guys. Yeah. I think, Adam, for you, if you think about running it as you, you know, step into your role as CISO for a moment, how do you, how would you go about consuming some of the, the threat indicators or the threat intel from a, you know, a, a feed like um, Anthony was just discussing? Well, yeah, actually, that's one thing I like to ask Anthony himself. But uh, I have noticed, you know, putting my CISO hat on that, you know, companies really have to get to a place where they can they can use the threat intel feeds that they get. I do talk to many leaders and know others where they have threat intel feeds and they just don't have much to, you know, they don't have anything set up to deal with it. Um, or or they don't do it because they're like, I don't have time for that. I'm trying to just cover the vulnerabilities I know about. And, you know, I'm trying to set up a program or set up a SOC and, you know, it's just, there's so much to do as a security leader. It's really hard to then also make time for this, but I was going to ask you, Anthony, what, what have you seen? So you talked about oper operationalizing this on your side. What about on the other side, your customers, what are some of the best practices or really impressive things you've seen at big companies, small companies of how they use uh, what you have to offer? Um, yeah, so we actually we built VX Intel um, primarily for startups. Um, there are people that's um, you know maybe one or two three man team who um, you know traditionally don't have uh, the cash to go to a big service like Virus Total. Um, I mean, obviously they they everybody starts these days to use things like Malware Bazaar or VX Underground. These are great you know open source communities. But you know, if you have a business running and you have to steady, like you have to have a steady inflow of malware, uh, fresh malware, like every day, every hour, you know, open source systems go down sometimes or not available or stuff is not shared. Um, so you know, our goal was to make something available twenty four seven to the startups, um, and also like you know. Quite a few of our customers like are also VT customers or other big sort of like you know repositories, but they come to us because we have a lot of researchers like uploading stuff to us, um, companies or people that share but don't want to necessarily share with Virus Total, right? Uh, because they're so commercialized, they share with us. So if you are a VT customer but also a VX Intel customer, you get like this overage of data. Uh, sure, some of it is seen by VX uh, by Virus Total, but we have also stuff they they don't see. So they have this like humongous like access to this like corpus every day. So we sort of like try to be this value add service if anything to ever you know to all the, the small fry so to speak yeah that's great and that that really is uh one thing that i've seen to answer your question Ian. just you've you've got to start somewhere and 
there's little things you can do and big things you can find, you know, great services like, like, uh, you know, VX Intel and, or you can even just set up like an RSS feed in a Slack channel. I mean, there's lots of things you can do to try to pull in extra information that can inform your security program and point you in the right direction. It's really important for you to understand, you know, how you operate the environment you're operating in and sort of the threat landscape that that represents, you know, it's very different for like a critical infrastructure um, business utility or something, as opposed to like a SaaS company, as opposed to, you know, maybe a title company or real estate, like all of these different verticals are, have very different needs. And so you can set up something specific to you and, just, I think the biggest thing is to not be intimidated by it and realize that you can, you, you can bring this on. Conversely, the other thing I see is people, you know, turn on all the switches, turn on Intel feeds for maybe, you know, their firewall provider or something, but they don't have anything to operationalize it. Like, it's, so it's just coming in and they're not doing anything with it. So I, re- I really do think it requires some thought. And if you do it carefully, it can really be a value add, like Anthony said, to what you're doing in your security program. Yeah, where would be the first place to start? I mean, I think it's fascinating that you mentioned, you know, just setting up an RSS feed that pumps to a Slack channel. I mean, when when someone mentions threat intel, usually you know, people are going to be like, oh, it's nerdy stuff like threat indicators, like Yara rules, but that's clearly not the case. So where where would you start out today? I, I, I Just what I said, I think I think it would start out with uh, when you're operationalizing your team. So you're looking at your security operations. So think incident response, think um, SIM, uh, whatever feeds that you have coming in that are telling you, you're they're giving you your visibility. So, you know, because basic security programs start with visibility. So now I can see the, the various things in my environment that I have, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then you've got to overlay that with some sort of Intel, right? Like you can, you can have detections that are built, you can build your own detections, but then you need to be able to you know, detect, is this something bad or not? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so figuring out how to do that. So is it a feed of IOCs that go right into my SIM or right into my firewall that, that will tell me what it is, or is it something, you know, like a, a virus total VX Intel where I can upload hashes or other artifacts to say, tell me what this is, is it bad? Mm-hmm. Um, and having something that's up to date is really important. Because you yeah. could be one of the first companies seeing something that no one else has seen. I responded to a lot of incidents like that where we'd go into a small mom-pop shop, random motel in the middle of nowhere, and they are like yep. one of the first ones that have ever seen this, uh, you know, something on a phishing email or something like that. So, yeah. um, but as you're thinking about this as a company, I think it's really just walking through your operations and saying, okay, so we detected something. How do we determine what this attack is? Mm-hmm. What are, what are our ways of doing that? We can analyze it ourselves, you know, and also your response to that, but we can analyze it ourselves and, you know, looking for great solutions like VX Intel can be a way to do that. Especially yeah. when you, when you max out your, your, you know, your free lookups at virus total or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like the idea of this kind of like threat informed defense approach that you describe in there. Like the other, the other side of it, I'm thinking of like, aside from consuming IOCs and feeds into systems or devices you know, something like CISA's Kev list, right? Known exploited vulnerabilities. An RSS feed that just tells you when something's been added to that. And then you've got a, you know, fairly high priority task for one of your IT or your security teams to do to figure out, are we at risk of something like that? Yeah, I love what Anthony's talking about, about this community, this this close-knit community of sharing information. We need to do that better. Mm-hmm. Just worldwide, everybody, I'm just going to say it, blanket statement, we need to do that <laughs> better. We need to 
share information with one another better. And we're getting better at it. CISA's doing great. Their, their known exploited vulnerabilities list that they're publishing is awesome. There's other groups like the Cyber Threat Alliance and things like that, where people are trying to set up groups of private organization, public organizations that are getting together and sharing more information with each other. So not just in the malware community, like Anthony described, but also, you know, just in the community, it could be with similar companies, could be with, you know, totally different businesses and organizations, but sharing the information of what we're seeing today. You know, I've tried to set up some of these sort of ad hoc in my communities, but it's something that we could do better. And that will help drive our threat informed security programs and help us get, you know, on top of these things faster and have better reaction times to new things that are coming out. Absolutely. Sharing is caring. I can't think of a, a better way to, to wrap up today's episode. Anthony, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Like it's been it's been a pleasure to meet you and really interesting to hear about your what I'm going to age you now, 30 year, 40 year journey in malware, and malware much, collection. Yeah. It makes me feel old. Oh my God. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I'm happy to help. And Adam, as always, man, thanks for thanks for being here and, and joining in the conversation with me today. And thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, we'll be back with episode five in a, a short amount of time. So see you then. Oh,